Welcome back to the Customers Who Click podcast. It's episode 23 and I've got another great guest for you. Today's guest is the founder of Visibly, which is a software solution that helps you manage your search visibility. We're not just talking about your standard SEO though. It's not so much about how you can get your own website all over page one. We're talking about how you can ensure your brand has a presence across page one, regardless of what sites appear there. So it's kind of a mix of SEO and PR. Um, But let's get Chris on to explain how this all works and how you can dominate page one. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Uh, Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, uh, a bit of your background and and what you're doing at the moment? Yeah, thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. Um, I have been a career marketer for the last 17 years. I've worked in all facets of the marketing industry from in-house kind of product marketing to um, agencies to publishing um, and now uh, MarTech. So uh, for the last uh, 11 years, I've been running my own PR agency and then um, started a company called Visibly, uh, which is a a software solution to help manage and uh, measure brand footprint and search um, in 2019. And we just released the beta a month ago. Awesome. Sounds great. So, um, well, I mean, what's the standard day look like for you at the moment then? Oh man, is there such a thing? <laughs> Especially during a pandemic. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, keep, I keep forgetting that when I ask the question, it's like, well, right, let's consider it a normal. Yeah. Normal. It's like whatever we're doing today. Yeah. Um, well, today I happen to be in Glacier National Park, which is uh, one of the major national parks in the United States and uh, staring at a gorgeous window at a, at a river but that's not a standard day. Typically, I'm in an office and uh, I have a four-year-old, so I wake up to her every morning. And then um, I do still run the PR agency. So the agency work kind of has to be balanced with um, the software work. The software is, is, the, is the majority of my time for sure. But um, yeah, got a lot of balls in the air. And then I, I try to get some exercise in too. Awesome. Sounds great. Um, so yeah, t- I guess tell us a bit more about Visibly and your kind of approach to, uh, I think you described it before as dominating page one. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, I'll just back up for a minute here and, and tell kind of, you know, why why I started Visibly and why I, why I thought there was a, a need for it in the market. Um, visibly, you know, what, 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 what we saw as a PR agency, um, back, you know, say scroll back, like kind of three, four years ago was that the, that the impact of earned media, that is media that you earn through editorial content or journalism, um, was having less and less of an impact unless it was showing up in search results. Um, and so, you know, you can go out and we can win a big article, um, say for, you know, a major, a major publication or magazine. Um, the problem with, with that strategy in and of itself is that the distribution model isn't what it used to be. Um, people don't go to the newsstand or pick up a magazine to find information. They do it for leisure. Um, if that, um, the print, print circulations are obviously um, on the decline nationally. Most people are finding what they need through, through a digital landscapes. Um, and then, you know, within those digital landscapes, it's just so darn busy, right? We all know that, like, you know, the, the publishing cycle is happening every few minutes. There's something new showing up, in the, you know, on the homepage. And whatever was there five minutes ago has dropped below the fold. And all, all of a sudden, it's, it's, a, it's effectively gone, you know, for, for that point in, in, I think, in the publishing cycle. So what we started recognizing as a PR agency was that the most valuable PR hits that we were acquiring for our clients were showing up 
kind of, you know, on their own at the top of search results um, for really valuable keywords that were attracting, you know, lots of people, lots of qualified customers. Um, and, you know, that that by itself became the most valuable thing that we were doing for our clients. And we weren't doing it deliberately. It was just kind of happening naturally here and here and there. And so we started thinking to ourselves, how can we be more deliberate about this process? How can we win more PR that was showing up at the top of search for really important keywords. Um, so, so we started with you know with that and and recognized you know how important PR is is in that landscape. And then as we started recognizing kind of the role of PR in search, we recognized that there is all these kind of third party resources that were talking about brands and products and services that were super under leveraged. And not only were they under leveraged, but they you couldn't measure them right like. Unless it's your own website or your own advertising, there's no measurement out there for it. And so what you can't measure, you can't improve, you can't kind of wrap your head around, you can't build strategy around. So it really all comes down to measurement. It really comes down to understanding, you know, where we are today, where we want to go tomorrow and how to get there. Um, and the first page of search is this insane product discovery um, platform. It's, um, and let me, let me tell you why. It's, you know, there's like, if you think about the people who are typing in keywords, they are um, information seekers or people who are qualified customers. They're, they're pretty down, they're, they're pretty far down the funnel in terms of, you know, having an intent to buy. Um, they're, they're, they're kind of what you would call like, they're, they're at that point of consideration, if you will. Um, and they're looking for recommendations and, and, you know, how do they, you know, how do they make a purchase decision? They're, they're going to search to um, fulfill that need. Um, and then it's very predictable about where they're gonna click on that first page of search. So you have you know, millions of people showing up at the first page of search every single day. By the way, there's 70,000 searches every single second of the day. Um, every single day, always. So it's an incredibly used platform. It's increasing by 10, 10 to 15% every single year. People are using search more and more in their daily lives. Um, it's an incredibly powerful place to connect with the consumer. Um, but, you know, back to their click behavior, it's um, the first five organic links on a page receive around 70% of all the traffic um, for that keyword. Um, as you drop down to the bottom of the first page, that 10th or 9th organic link on the page receives around 1% of all the traffic for any given keyword. And there's virtually no traffic to speak of on the second page. So what we're really talking about as marketers is how that, that real estate, that gold real estate, where you can really have a, a, a a fighting chance of connecting with a customer looking for your product and service is in those top five organic results. Great, right? We know exactly where the people are. We know exactly where they're clicking. Wonderful. Well, not so fast because it becomes incredibly challenging to rank there, especially for your own website. And that's what that's where you know SEO becomes like this really important thing. And there's billions of dollars spent on SEO every single year. Um, I think my problem with SEO is that you know the SEO community has has come to accept the fact that their most that their most um, desirable keywords, the keywords that they really want to be ranking for are simply out of reach. They, they're just never, ever going to rank for them. So the SEO community 
has kind of come to accept this like lower threshold of success, which is like, oh, let's we spend a lot of time and money like researching keywords to look for, you know, keywords where there's a decent opportunity but like low competition, um, and that that's kind of the name of the game in SEO right now is like low competition, and and low competition generally means less people. Uh, it, it might mean a more targeted customer, but you're just not getting in front of as many people. You're just giving up on the big ones, essentially. And so, you know, with PR, um, you can absolutely go right after the top dog. You know, you can go after those very, very expensive, um, high value, high traffic keywords. And it's not just PR. It turns out there's a huge opportunity with e-commerce there. There's a huge opportunity with um, other types of media. Like uh, one that I'm a big fan of is, is, is a Quora or any kind of questions that, you know, uh, Google loves to uh, elevate answers to the top of search that are more colloquial. Um, you know, back to e-commerce, there's a massive opportunity to work with your e-commerce partners to mer better merchandise your brand product and services on their search engine landing pages. So if someone's looking for a pair of socks and Amazon shows up, um, you know, are the big question is, is are your socks on Amazon's landing page? If they are, you're going to sell a lot of socks. If they're not, too bad. So again, like how do you collect that intelligence on where your brand is in search? And that's, that's kind of what uh, visibly is all about. When I do searches for kind of news and information, um, well, so example, I, I do a search for Manchester United every day uh, in the morning, one of the first things, just to check the like latest news and stuff. I don't have a single website that I go to myself. I, I always just go to the news feed and I open up that, uh, basically the first page worth of articles and that's it. So you know, obviously there's no purchase intent there. It's all, it's all news and stuff. But um, yeah, as so, so, so you point that, uh, yeah, you might not be able to dominate. You, you might not be able to get yourself onto that first page. But it might be the case that people aren't even looking for uh, your brand specifically. Um, yeah, so they, they, I think, I think it, what people want to focus on as marketers are non-branded keywords. Um, you know, what are the keywords? What are the, what are the search queries that people are going to look there are going to use to find their, they're using characteristics. They're, they're describing the product or service that they want to buy and they're looking for recommendations around it. Um, and if they're not using a brand within that keyword, that means that they're up for grabs, right? They're not somebody who, um, has already determined that I'm going to buy, um, an Adidas, Sock, you know, football shoe. We're gonna we're gonna buy. Um, I'm looking for the best football shoe or a football shoe for slick conditions or whatever it might be. Um, those are the keywords that marketers really want to focus in on because they're, they're those like uh, top of funnel. Like, how do we get uh, new customers into our our funnel? Um, and you know, if someone doesn't know that you exist or doesn't or isn't set on, um, like they're not brand loyal, uh, that's that's the perfect person for you to get in front of because obviously they're um, exhibiting an intent to purchase. Yeah, exactly. So if you can get yourself on, um, I mean, for those like what sort of trainers work well on a slick surface or uh, AstroTurf and that sort of thing, um, I guess the more likely are uh results that are going to appear are blogs and articles and like you know comparisons and things so get making sure that you are one of those items on those pages 
yeah, um, exactly. could be massive for you because that could be quite easy. It might just yeah, be the case it, of sending a pair of shoes over. It is actually that easy a lot of the times. Um, as a PR agency, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. I think you know where where PR people struggle, and it's not struggles not the right word, but one of our biggest challenges is how do we know who to talk to? You know, how do we? It's 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 list building. Will like you know? It's like the idea of how do we um, put together a really powerful, potent list of people who are the most relevant content writers in this category? Um, and there's a lot of investment in that type of list building, like whether it's like, you know, you're just doing a ton of research or you use um, um, a major PR platform like, like Ascision or something like that. Um, or, you know, what I think is really fascinating is why don't PR people just use Google? You know, Google is already elevating the most relevant content in the world for this particular subject, according to their algorithm, <laughs> you know, it's all showing up in the one place. Um, I think the challenge with that is that it's, it's already published. So it's, I think some people are like, oh, well, if it's already published, why am I going after it? Well, I can tell you right now, um, if those are the writers that are writing about that thing, um, you need to get to know them. You need to build, reach out and make relationships. And so, you know, and it's not, it's, it's, it's sometimes it is as easy as saying, will you update your article to include my product? And frankly, that happens all the time for us. Um, but the, the other, the other piece of it is that you just know, you start to get this Rolodex and this is what PR people do is they build these massive Rolodexes of, um, of, uh, of of con of like of, of content writers that are the experts in their client's space. And then we just manage those relationships. Well, Google is going to tell you better than any other platform in the world who the experts are. And so again, you know, visibly this this software solution that that I'm behind um, helps do that, which is kind of cool. So one of the things that I recognize is that, you know, Google search elevates all this different stuff. It's a big it's a big multi-channel sandbox, right? Like there's, there's e-commerce, like I said, and, and earned media and there's brand owned stuff. That's the SEO stuff. There's, there's advertising. It's all mixed together on the first page. Um, the challenge is, is how do you cleanly extract the PR hits? How do you cleanly extract the e-commerce stuff? So you can just focus on what you need to focus on. Um, so, We've solved for that. <laughs> um, we we went out and we and we categorized literally millions of uh, of uh, domains as either e-commerce or brand owned or earned media or something else. Um, and so when you run a search on Visibly, um, not only do we do we identify where your brand exists on the page, and so we're 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 crawling and looking through all of the links on the page of the search, not just the domains, but we're looking at the content. And then secondarily, we're classifying the type of website it is. And so we're telling you, is it e-commerce or, or media or something else? Um, and what that does is it provides this really um, rich data set by which you kind of have this roadmap for what you need to do next. It's like, here are your blind spots. Here's where you're doing well. Um, and here are the channels that are, you know, that are responsible for these various hits. So, you know, here's, here are all your e-commerce pieces that you need to be focused on. Here are all your media pieces that you should be focused on. And so it, it is this very multi-channel um, way of managing search. And I think that's what's exciting to me is that, um, you know, 
in the past, it's been heavily SEO focused. So it's like, it's either your website shows up on the first page or it doesn't, you know, one or the other. It's very uh, binary like that. But when you open it up and you look at like, okay, we're going to manage this from a multi-channel perspective. We're going to manage this from like, we're going to manage every single potential touch point on the first page of search, regardless of whether we own it or not. Um, it becomes much more um, rich and it becomes like, you, you can be much more dominant because, you know, rather than like, it might be that your website showed up on the fifth position and that was a huge hit. But what if you're not only did your website show up in the fifth position, but the this first, second, and third position are also talking about your brand. So virtually anywhere on the page, if somebody clicks, they're going to learn about your, 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 your products and your stuff. Um, that is a massive win. That's what we should be going for. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've worked with a lot of PR people, some agencies have done, done a lot of work in that space. Um, and it's never really been pitched to me like that. Um, I've, I've had the whole uh, PR for SEO sort of approach. Um, and, and that kind of those getting exposure on big sites and things. But yeah, it's never really been positioned as uh, if, if you can't get yourself in that space, um, we can put you there on someone else's site. Sort of yeah. Thing. And I, I think what, you know, I think as a marketer, uh, most, most multi-channel kind of brand marketers understand this, but I think what happens is we, we get very siloed in our marketing spaces, right? Like as a PR professional or SEO professional or SEM professional, whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, ultimately as the person who's managing all the levers, if you will, they realize more than anyone else that it doesn't matter how you promote product discovery so long as you connect with the customer. It might be an ad, it might be a PR hit, it might be an email, you know, but all of those points of discovery are equally relevant in that customer journey. And, um, you know, that is the fundamental truth here is that it doesn't matter how you reach somebody so long as you reach them. And so why not find all the potential touch points that you can exploit? Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Um, so what's our, what are some of the kind of misconceptions or myths about search engine visibility? I know you mentioned this whole, uh, you know, the, the main keywords are basically impossible to get. Uh, so people don't bother and they move on to those kind of longer tail stuff. But um, yeah, what, what else is there? Yeah, you know, I think, I think the big one that you kind of hit on, and I'll just kind of expand on it for a minute, is the idea that um, if you do everything right, you can you can show up in the first page of search for your you know with your content, um, and unfortunately that's just not true. <laughs> um, you, we as an agency have seen that time and time again, where you know our our clients have done the right thing on their website, they've done the right keyword research, they've they've done the right content work and they see really immediate gains from say page, you know, seven to page two, they jump like multiple pages up like immediately. And then they just hit a glass ceiling. They just, they just hit, you know, they cannot move any further up in the rankings from page two. Um, and the reason for that is because the relative domain authority of the sites that are in front of them start to become exponentially greater. Um, so much so that they just, that they're stuck, you know, absolutely fundamentally stuck. Um, and that I think 
is a really, really common problem with almost every single SEO strategy out there, unless you're a major player in the space. Um, and it's not to say like, hey, look, SEO is fantastic. Like if we could all get our websites, our own websites, like at the top of search, that would be amazing. <laughs> you know, like, of course we want to control the message in front of the consumer, but I think the reality is, is that that is very rare. Um, and the people who do do that are these kind of Olympic level websites that uh, are standing on top of a podium. And there's many, many people that didn't get on that, on that podium. Um, but you know, I think I think at the end of the day, um, it's just it's really imperative for marketers to think about search from a multi-channel perspective and to realize that there's all these different touch points in that. Um, it's not just about your your website; it's about every possible way of reaching a consumer. So, uh, what would be you know what would be the first things you'd do when starting with a new client or or a project? Right. So, you know, I think that's, I think that's kind of two, two prongs here. So, so I, I, I do have this PR agency, which, which keeps me pretty busy. It's a totally separate company from uh, visibly um, visibly is, is a independent software solution that has no um, crossover except for me, I guess. Um, but, you know, from an agency perspective, what I can tell you is that we start with, um, an analysis of keywords. And, you know, we, we look at, you know, what are the big keywords out there that we're most interested in, the ones that are driving the most traffic. Um, and, you know, from a PR perspective, we look at it, we need to identify keywords that have strong potential for PR. Not every keyword does. And actually where this comes into play is this idea of search engine intent. Um, and a lot of SEOs are really interested in intent right now. Intent is the idea that you type in, a keyword to, to Google and Google has to make a determination about what do you want to do by, you know, say, say you type in a pair, like a keyword, something very broad, like running shoes and Google's thinking to itself, um, does this person want to buy a pair of running shoes? Do they want, do they want to read about running shoes in the news? Do they want to, um, do they want to learn about running shoes and what kind of running shoes to buy? They have to make that determination. Um, and so, you know, they, they have this, they have the, they have various kind of um, responses. So in the past, I think that you, you used to be able to get away with just doing direct keyword matches and having, you know, a lot of backlinks and then Google basically, you know, reward keyword matches with the strongest domain authority and boom, you're at the top of search. Now it's not that simple anymore. You have to, Google has is interpreting the intent of the keyword and then elevating elevating um, uh, results that match that what they interpret the intent to be. And so there's really kind of three different kind of core intents out there, if you will. One will be called informational, and, and I, I describe informational intent as um, click to learn, like you're you're learning about something. Um, then there's transactional, which is click to buy. Um, and then lastly, you have this thing that they call navigational intent and that's click to go. And that's like, somebody already knows where they want to go. Um, they, 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 they effectively, you know, they're looking for a specific website, but maybe they don't know the name or like the URL of the website, or it's just more convenient to use Google to find the website for them. And so it's really just navigational. They're just, they're using Google as like, as like a way to just get from point A to point B faster than doing it themselves. Um, but 
from a PR perspective, what we're most interested in is that is that first one, and that is click to learn informational intent. So what we have to do is we we first start off with those keywords that we go for the the best keywords out there. We, we go for the most competitive um, keywords that have the that that are driving the most traffic and have the most potential for um, customer acquisition. And then number two, we have to do a second round of um, bucketing, if you will. So once we've identified a bunch of um, commercial or a bunch of um, um, informational keywords, we have to bucket those. Once, we, once we've developed a big list of, 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 of competitive keywords that we feel like are relevant to our client's product, we have to bucket those into informational versus transactional. Um, so which ones are informational, which ones are transactional? The reason why we don't focus on transactional is because they tend to be really dominant by e-commerce. And there's just no opportunity for PR in those pages. Um, if Google is elevating all e-commerce hits, um, they're just not going to elevate a PR hit there. That's just, they've decided that, that that's not the intent of the keyword. So um, that's why we go ahead and we kind of sort those out. We focus exclusively on keywords with, an, with informational intent. And then from there, we do this analysis of where does the brand already exist on the page? Um, which of these, you know, which of these writers are already covering our stuff? And it gives us like this really good sense of like, where were we successful? Where do we miss opportunities? And how do we fix those opportunities? Um, and it gives us like this great media list. So we all of a sudden we can see here are the publications that are writing about this kind of product service. Here are the actual, you know, most of those publications will tell you, will actually have a byline in there and they'll tell you like who, who the writer is. You can cross cross reference that writer within your PR, you know, media database and boom, you have this really rich keyword or sorry, this, this really rich media list from there are, our PR starts to kick in and we start doing the outreach. We start doing the product seeding. We start doing the follow-up and then we come back and we check um, a few months later and boom, um, our reviews are all over the page and we're dominating that, that, that page that was all that was previously totally out of reach for our clients. Um, so is it a long process? Yes. Like, you know, I think uh, any like PR is always a long game. Like that's just, how it is, <laughs> you know, very rarely can you just go out and like dominate a news cycle in like a minute. Um, it takes, it takes a lot of work and takes like a, a very concerted effort over, over many months. But, um, if you want to win in these highly desirable keyword searches, um, that's the way to do it. It's entirely possible. Our, our agency has been doing it for years. Yeah. So uh, yeah, a lot of research, a lot of kind of relationship building and and, uh, and, and conversations um, and yeah, just making sure you find the right, the right websites to that would, that would suit your brand in the right places. Um, and I, I suppose get, making sure they get the right information as well. So uh, like you said, you don't, you don't really want to target transactional because uh, you know, you're, you're not going to, uh, I mean, you you can get your products listed on Amazon, obviously, but um uh, you know, yeah, it's just not. Other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Transactional stuff. It's just. It's just not something that we deal with. You know, we don't have those relationships. They're just not. They're outside of our discipline um, as an agency. But um, the PR stuff, you know, and so, but, but that's. It brings up a really important point because there is somebody who is managing that relationship with Amazon, and that person 
uh, would really benefit from this information. So, um, you know, I, visibly isn't just about PR. I think PR is a big piece of it, but it's really about multi-channel. It's about, I, I think e-commerce has a huge opportunity with using the platform. Yeah, I suppose, you, yeah, with that Amazon example, you'd be saying, well, we think there's a great opportunity for this brand to be on page one for this keyword, which is, you know, an Amazon dominated keyword. So the person with the Amazon relationship needs to make sure that your products are on the first page of Amazon's landing page for that product listing. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And, and you do that and you sell a lot of product. It's just, it's just overnight success. So, you know, understanding kind of where your blind spots are and how your customers are kind of coming into um, the funnel is super critical. And I think, you know, search is this incredibly powerful place to get a very, very targeted customer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's the, part of the reason why PPC works so well, isn't it? Uh, it is. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, PPC is interesting too. I mean, I think, you know, another thing that I, I think is, is powerful about visibly is that um, it's, you know, you have to ask yourself as, as a, as a cost per click uh, or like a, or, a, or pay per click kind of uh, manager, um, do I need to advertise in search results where I have very strong brand visibility? I don't know. That's up to you. But you know, I've talked to a lot of brand managers who would say, "Well, if I knew that we were that dominant with with that keyword, I would probably reallocate our budget toward keywords that we're less dominant in, so we're reaching more people." You know, because there's this, there's two ways to reach a consumer. You can do it through the advertising, or you can do it through the organic, you know, optimization. Um, in the past, I think SEM managers will look at their those organic results, and they'd either say, "Oh, we either have like a website presence here or not." Well, what? If, forget your website for a minute. Do we have a brand presence here or not? Are there are all these PR hits or all these e-commerce hits actually? driving traffic toward our brand, yes or no. Um, and so that's really the fundamental shift here is saying, you know, let's forget about just your website for a minute and let's focus on your brand. And is your brand visibility high within the search engine results page or not? Yes or no. If it is, maybe you reallocate some of that, that, that advertising spend toward uh, results where you have lower brand visibility in the organic results. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, completely. Um, I know a lot of companies use it a bit kind of, I guess, defensively. So, it, you know, if they are quite dominant on a page, but someone else is bidding, then they might, uh, you know, bid in order to kind of protect that space. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, it makes sense if you, if you are pretty dominant on a page for, for a keyword um, and maybe there's not actually much advertising going on, there's no real point advertising yourself and spending, spending money there because yeah, you're, you're spending it, you know, money on traffic that you probably would have captured anyway. Yeah, it's interesting. I think if you know what's 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 interesting about pay per click is that you know the click through rates on those ads are are, are variable depending on um, the keyword query. So a high click through rate for a non branded keyword query, um, this is just somebody who's not looking for a specific brand, is around two to two and a half percent. That's a that's a good performing ad. Um, which means that 98% of the traffic on that page is clicking somewhere else. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I said, you know, so um, where you get really high click through rate with, with advertising is when people are actually searching for your own brand 
And then your ad is at the very top of the page and they're like, Oh, well, there you go. That's, that's what I was looking for. So I'll, I'll click on it. Um, and you know, it probably does make sense. Just capture that customer right away. Um, but you know, like either way about it, I think, I think pay-per-click is, is really important, but it should be balanced with organic visibility. Um, and at the end of the day, the organic, the organic results always have higher click-through rates, always have more engagement. Um, and they're frankly free, you know? So, um, those are all really awesome characteristics of why you would want to work in the organic results um, as well. Yeah. And I think just one final point on that. Um, if you are bidding on, on kind of brand terms or, or pages where you are really dominant um, organically, it's important. I think it's really important that people are measuring that and just kind of understanding uh, like potentially how much traffic they're just paying for, which they, they could have got organically um and and just acknowledging that there is a i I guess an an opportunity cost to that yeah Um, yeah so what are the what are the biggest and most kind of common mistakes you see when when people approach search engine visibility um i think i think the biggest mistakes are not not doing a good job with search intent um and intent is just so critical to um, actually getting coverage or traction on the page to understand the type of results, not just like the keyword, um, kind of all the technical jargon and that's involved in SEO and, and, and search engine visibility, but are these transactional, are these informational, are these navigational? Um, and you need to align your strategy with the intent. Um, it actually has to kind of start with the intent because if you don't, if you're not aligning with the intent, you're just not going to get on the page. Even if you do everything else, right. Um, you might be aligning with the intent by, you know, by mistake and that might get you on the page, but it, it's more helpful to just know it up front and build that strategy around the intent and then uh, go from there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, yeah, you, there's, you're obviously going to perform worse with a, a transactional page on a on a search term, which is actually more you know informational based. Well, you just won't show up, you know. And <laughs> I mean, well, same yeah. thing. Same thing with um, if you're if you're if you're writing a blog post, it's all like you know informational, and um, the keyword is actually transactional. Um, you're, you're just not going to show up. Like you know, Google's already made the determination that they're going to only elevate transactional you know, pages for this keyword, at least on the first page. Um, and so again, like all that effort is kind of lost unless you really understand the intent of the keyword and you have to go to the page to see it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose that feeds into that, you know, kind of SEO strategy and when, when people uh, get themselves from, you know, page seven to page what two um, and then get stuck, you know, I guess potentially part of the reason is they've got that intent wrong and then they might be quite close, which is why they can get themselves up to page two. Yeah. And it feels really good to go that fast. You know, it feels, it feels like you're doing the right things. Um, And I think a lot of SEO agencies show, you know, they're able to show results, so to speak. They say, Oh, well we, we jumped you up like 17 positions or something. Um, 
Well, unless you're on the page, unless you're on page one, um, that had absolutely zero impact on your bottom line, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Um, I guess it's one of those. It's almost like a vanity metric in a way. You know, we we, we jumped you up like that. 17 positions, but if you're not on page one, you're not getting the traffic. And then it's kind of, I guess, easy for them to say, well, you know, obviously what we do works because we we got you that uplift, but page one is really difficult to crack, so we're going to have to work at it for quite a while. Yeah. No. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're exactly towing the line. Yep. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm just a bit skeptical, but, uh, yeah. Um, wouldn't surprise me if you saw that. I mean, it's at least, well, I don't know if it's better or worse, but I, you know, I, I know my, my junk box is full of emails promising me page one, uh, straight away. Um, yeah, which is, you, can't, you can't do that. I mean, those are just there. Like you can't buy page one, you know, you can't, unless you want to do, you know, PPC, like you mentioned, you can't buy it. Um, and you know, I think the other, the other piece of it that which you haven't really talked about is, you know, PR is also a primary vehicle for, for a link building. And, you know, a lot of our clients on the, you know, on the, you know, on the agency side hire a big reason why they're hiring an agency is for those backlinks and um, especially high quality backlinks from um, reputable, um, you know, authoritative websites. Um, Those you basically have to pay an agency to go out and acquire for you. And they, and the agent spends a lot of time and effort doing it. Um, and without those backlinks, you're just, you're just stuck. You know, you can't, you, your, your domain is never going to be seen as an authority by Google unless there are other important websites pointing back at you. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a big game, right? Like it's a big kind of game of social media in some ways um, as everyone decides like who's important. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, uh, I don't know much about black hat strategies these days, but I imagine it probably still is possible to get to page one pretty quickly. But you're just going to get removed uh, probably equally as quickly. So you I might. See I, I think Google has, you know, and, and I, I can't speak super authoritatively about this, but everything I've read is that Google has really worked hard to prevent that sort of thing from happening. And, 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 and in fact, um, there is a consensus in the SEO world that um, having um, a follow link from a website of ill repute, like one of these black hat kind of link farms can actually negatively affect your your link juice or domain authority. Uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me really. Uh, you know, it's Google saying, well, you, you're trying to cheat the system. So you're going to get penalized for that. Like, yeah. You're not just yeah, going to not get a benefit. And they're basically it. saying like, you know, um, we like this website, we flagged as, as a spammy website. And the fact that they linking to you means that they, that they think that you're also a spammy website. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And again, I don't think there's there's any like definitive proof that that happens, but I think there's um, a sentiment in the SEO community that that is uh, something that is part of the algorithm these days. Yeah, yeah, and no, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, to be honest, um, what do you think? Uh, do you see any big trends coming up in the next maybe kind of twelve to eighteen months? Um, well, you know, I I hope that search engine visibility becomes you know catches on. Um, I think that it's it's high time that we start thinking about 
more ways to promote a brand on in, in, in search. Um, I think that uh, you know the PR community has been really myopic about um, how it how it reports and measures its success, and also about how um, how they go about acquiring PR hits. Uh, I think that you know to go out and acquire a PR article and even it's even if it's in a large name publication if there's no follow link and it's not showing up in search the actual value of that article is incredibly low i mean maybe it's nice to say that you know some special website talked about you and tell your own followers that but there's virtually no one who's going to see it you know at the end of the day because it's so buried underneath a pile of content so you know pivoting your perspective around let's just focus on these site on these on these domains and these writers that are showing up in search um puts you in front of this insanely qualified customer that is um that it's a pretty evergreen audience right like it's not just a one hit it's like you know for almost every single pr hit out there you know you get this this flash of interest the moment that it's published uh, you know i call it like a flicker of like of like it's a flicker of a moment that it's published and then as soon as it's kind of dropped off of the top of uh, the fold or like the homepage of the website that published it um, or it's no longer being circulated in like you know promotional emails um, that article for all intents and purposes is dead it will never show up again unless it's in a popular search um, in which case it receives traffic into perpetuity. (laughs) It's really, really high quality traffic. And I think for PR people to recognize that their work can go so much farther. Um, and the, the hit that they, they work on each one of these, these like articles so long, right? Like it takes so much work and effort to land each one of these articles. You have to reach out to the art and the, 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 it's not like, you know, it, it sounds so laborious, like the way that I talk about like, oh, we have to build these keywords and then we bucket them and then we do the outreach. Well, all that outreach is already happening. Like that's, that's what PR people do all day, every day is all they're doing is going out and like reaching out to people and talking, talking to them and trying to get them to write about their stuff. So it's just a, it's a slight pivot about who you're talking to. That's really all it is. And when you do that slight pivot and you, and you win those placements, the, the, the incremental benefit of being on search versus not being in search is so much, right? It's like, you're just getting in front of so much more people and those, 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 those customers are so much more interested in that type of, of content and um, your, your clients will absolutely notice the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, like I said, I've, I've done some, been involved in PR. Well, not been involved in PR, but I, you know, I've run PR campaigns uh, with agencies and yeah, you, you notice the difference when you get that, that really good piece of exposure, which is, uh, you know, on a really popular authoritative website and it stays kind of stays on page one and continuously gets that traffic. And then you yeah. get those, that one campaign would have driven, I don't know, it might've got you like 40, 50 pieces of coverage, but there's that one or two that really provide that value. And the They're rest really of them, like, like you say, they kind of drop off and all right, you've probably got a link. Um, yeah, it might be a follow link. It might be a uh, just because you can have kind of a no reference on it, can't you? 
you know, follow, no follow, but then there's ones that are not tagged either way. Is that right? Or is the default yeah, follow? Yeah, I think I think default is follow. Um, you have to put a little bit of extra code in there to make it a no follow link. Yeah, a lot of a lot of websites they they hard code in every single link that they every single outgoing link they have in the in the, in the site is a no follow link. Sometimes that's a hard coded thing that they put into their uh, web development. Um, you know, I think. It, it's it makes sense why you would no follow. There's a couple of very like reasonable re, like situations. Like for instance, affiliate links. Um, you know, in in PR these days, there's so many kind of buy now links out there, and they're all driving back to Amazon or some other major online retailer. And those those should not be followed links. Like those are you know all those buy now links. They're all kind of pay to play because they're actually receiving a commission for all those clicks. And so, you know, Google doesn't want those to be followed links. Otherwise Amazon would be insane. It would be even more insanely uh, powerful than it is today. Um, the other reason I think is that um, to your point earlier about black cast strategy, um, Google's trying to de you know, decentivize um, the, the whole practice of, of, um, of selling, access to links and and they really want publishers to say hey if this is a contributor and not a staff writer we don't want you to follow any of their links now there's a lot of controversy about that in the seo world because they're like well these are very qualified people and just because they're not on staff doesn't mean that their opinions and their links are are invalid um but google sees it as you know well that opens up to the realm possibility that they're that they're selling you know access to a really really valuable website yeah. um so you know <laughs> for whatever however you wish to see it um you know i think that's those are common circumstances where there's no follow and you know social media is all no follow like you know obviously yeah. like um you can't just go up on Facebook and like post your own post your own um, link on there, and you're not going to get like link juice from Facebook. Yeah, and I think things like um, you know comments, like links in comments, don't get um, don't get uh, like indexed and Follow, um, yeah, or followed. Yeah, right. And there was um, there was one startup or one one in particular that did really well off this. I think it might have been Hotjar, but I might be wrong with that. Um, but it was one of these sites which. Um, you know, it would have like a pop-up displaying on its clients' websites for their customers to interact with. And at the bottom, it would say powered by this company. And that was a follow link. Oh my and, God. And they did yeah. amazingly well from it. And then I think Google, clicked, you know, it was like the one of the first times this had ever happened. And then I think Google clicked and went, oh, do you know what? Actually, you can't do that. Because yeah. you're just going to get a I follow mean, link on every client's <laughs> website. That's that's brilliant, though. I mean, good for them for figuring that out. But yeah, totally. Um, I'm sure all those those circumstances are like those aha moments where you're sitting in a small conference room with all your peers, and you're like, "What if we did this?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it worked for them. It it did really really well, um, and then it kind of spawned this whole, "Oh, make sure you've got a freemium plan with powered by uh, the brand." Um, but yeah, I th I'm pretty sure that's all dead now. Um, yeah, I would, I would imagine it is Google picks, picks up on that stuff really fast. Um, as soon as somebody's trying to game the system, they'll, they'll, ca they'll catch up on it really quickly. Yeah. I don't know how they do it, but they, they do a good job of it. 
Uh, yeah. So um, do, you have any, do you have any pet peeves when it comes to marketing? Oh, so many. Um, where do we start with that? Uh, I, I think my, my biggest pet peeve in this comes out of the PR industry is, is, is untargeted solicitation, right? Um, when you are basically spamming people and, you know, PR people are definitely at uh, fault for this all the time. Um, email marketers are at fault for this all the time. Um, but same yeah. thing with like, you know, display marketers. Like one of my big pet peeves is that um, like I'll go buy a hammer from like Home Depot and they'll capture my cookie, but they don't actually capture the fact that I already made the purchase. And then I get... I get retargeted for hammers from Home Depot for the next 30 days. And I'm like, come on, guys. I already bought your freaking tool. You don't have to keep sending me these ads. You know? um, so I, I think it's that sort of thing. Like, I think marketers have a real opportunity to, to provide value and utility. And we only do it sometimes. We don't do it well. Like We, we just try to like focus on... Um, you know, shooting shotguns into the air, hoping that we hit something. Um, but, you know, good marketing should be that we are connecting a, a needed message with, an, with somebody who needs it, like, like a good message with somebody who needs it. And I, I always call this just being meaningful about our communication strategy. Um, how do we connect meaningfully? And that's something we talk a lot about a lot at our agency um, is how do we facilitate meaningful communication? Um, and, you know, I think the pandemic is a really interesting analogy here because there are brands that are doing well right now. And there are a lot of brands that aren't. Um, and sometimes it's their fault, sometimes it's not. But the brands that are doing well, by and large, have figured out how to provide utility and um, support to people in a time of need. And not be opportunistic about it, but be helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, when you when you when you're empathetic like that with your marketing, I think it can be really, really powerful. Um, and you'll have a really robust brand, and people will really like what you're doing. Um, but when you are opportunistic and you're not and you're untargeted and you're not focusing your message on the people who need it. Um, then people get annoyed. And that's why marketers have a bad rap is because we're sending messages out to people who don't want them. So, you know, hopefully we're developing better tools. You know, search is my, that's one reason why I love search so much is because we're only focusing on, on customers who, who, who want our stuff. Um, but, you know, there are much better tools out there to kind of connect people, the right people with the right uh, communications. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a bit of laziness, really, isn't it? It's people getting things set up, but then not taking the time to actually, uh, you know, filter out certain people or or just ensure they are targeting the right people. So it's you know, like with that, those display ads, they're of the, you know they haven't done the job of filtering out people who have purchased. Um, yeah, or, or potentially, or they're just getting greedy, you know, and they're not. They're just saying, oh well. You know, I know one in a thousand of these people are, are, are interested and it's really low. It doesn't cost me very much money to reach out to all thousand. And if I get one sale out of it, it'll make, it'll make money for me. And so they're just like, they're okay with pissing off 999 people if they get that one sale, you know? Um, 
And so I, I personally think that, you know, a lot of it's a law, like a law of large numbers and them just knowing that they'll make a little bit of money, even if that's all it is. Um, but it's just bad practice, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't develop loyalty or, or anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you feel there's a, an area of marketing or a, a marketing channel or tactic, which is a bit under underrated? Um, Oh, good question. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in the whole, uh, influencer model right now. And I think influencers on, you know, are a really interesting bunch. It's, it kind of teeters on PR, it kind of teeters on, you know, at, you know, kind of athletes and paid sponsorships and things like that. But, you know, having this kind of grassroots endorsement of products and services or, or, or whatever it might be um, in this kind of peer to, you know, managing a more peer to peer relationship between a brand and, and uh, a customer is um, I think it's a wild west. It's kind of, it's hard to figure out like who's really going to pay off for you, but there are better tools there. And it's, it's an area that I see, going to be continually very interesting and evolving and valuable to the marketing tool set, especially for lifestyle brands. Um, because and not just lifestyle brands, I mean, even B2B brands like say, say visibly, you know, I think um, influencers, there's so many educators in, in the marketing field. They're all influencers, right? Like whatever they say, people listen to. Um, and yeah, you know, I think, I think influencers are going to be, you know, are, this this realm with social media and TikTok and Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram and all these kind of platforms that we're that we're using now to connect, connect with each other, especially through a pandemic, um, they're going to be more and more powerful as certain personalities kind of organically rise to the top. And um, you know, figuring out how to leverage those people um, will be important. Yeah, completely agree. I do like influence marketing. I think it has got a place. What I don't necessarily like so much is um, simply just paying people to promote your product, like post on Instagram. I don't, I don't really feel like that is influencer marketing. Um, I, I think kind of like uh, like you kind of mentioned, it should be people who are happy to talk about your product, um, and they genuinely like it, and they like your product or service, and they want to promote it. And I think it's fine to, for them to get you know compensated for that. But um, yeah, I just, I don't think it's real influencer marketing if you just get 10 Instagrammers to just post, uh, do a post about you with some yeah. pretext, pre uh, yeah, uh, you know, pretext. I completely, I completely agree with you. I, I think that's why it's so, it's such a fuzzy discipline right now. We haven't really figured out how to manage it. Maybe, maybe we won't at the end of the day because it is so grassrootsy. Um, but it's really interesting. It is effective. Um, you know, one of the things that our, um, agency does is a lot of, uh, crowdfunding and, you know, we find that we, we work on multi-million dollar crowdfunding campaigns and, um, to push a campaign into that kind of stratosphere, um, you, you need that kind of social support that, that, that ground, that groundswell, if you will, of support. And so we've been using influencers to do that, um, very successfully. Um, 
And, you know, the way that we see it is that these are people who are professional content creators, you know, for the most part, like they're really good at photography and videography and setting up, you know, beautiful, um, uh, shoots. And we, in the way we see it is we're paying them as a content creator and then, we get to keep some of that content. And so we're essentially like whether they were putting a posting on social feed or not is kind of like beside the point we're paying them for the content. Um, and then they, you know, as a byproduct typically post it as well, because at that point they like it and they're proud of their own work and they, and they, you know, we did pay them to, to create it. So um, anyways, it's, I, that's kind of the way we approach it. It's kind of that, that exact bit you mentioned, you know, they're, they're proud of their work. They're happy to promote it. And, and these are the people who probably, I would imagine, consider whether they're going to work with that brand, you know, whether it fits their audience, whether it fits their style and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it has to be a mutual fit, right? Like we, yeah. there's some people reach out to us and sometimes we, re, we reach out to them. Um, and I think it's fair to compensate them for their time to create this content, you know, like, yeah that's the same thing that we would do if we were to go out and hire a freelance photographer to write, you know, to, to do a photo shoot. It didn't show up on social media. Like we're still paying somebody for their time to produce content. So um, the fact that they have a robust social following is just a bonus. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, this has been uh, really fantastic stuff. I really like this idea of um, kind of taking every opportunity and every touch point to really like dominate page one and get the most value from it. Um, how, how could people find out more or, or get in touch with you? Thank you. Um, yeah. So the best way I would say is either LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, uh, Chris Dickey is my name, D I C K E Y. Um, and my, my Twitter handle is visibly underscore SEO. Um, and then, uh, we love for people to come and check out visibly it's, it's in beta. It's absolutely free. There's no credit card required. You just make a very simple free account. It's pretty frictionless and then you can use it as much as you wish. And so, um, and, and you'll, you'll be really happy to know that, um, you can, you can pick any place in the world to execute a search from, uh, we have over 200 search locations, um, that are built into the software. That's, that's part of the freemium version. Um, so anybody can kind of show up, they can search in the UK, they can source search in Germany, they can search in Brazil, you know, whatever they want to do. Um, and it's a great way to start to put together this multi-channel strategy for your brand. All right, that sounds brilliant. Uh, well, I'll, I'll make sure to put a link to it on uh, on the customers who click site. Yeah, and just because it sounds kind of funny, it's v i s a b l y dot com. So it's v i s v i s a b l y. Awesome, thanks, Chris. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So while SEO is all the rage, everyone understands you need to have that organic presence to support your paid marketing efforts. This idea of dominating page one in this way isn't talked about as much at all. In a sense, it's still SEO. You're still optimizing your search presence. It's just not on your site. It's similar to what I talked about with David Frazier in episode 15 about PR for SEO. Their PR efforts focus on getting you meaningful exposure and links back to your site, but you're also getting those page one placements as well. It's similar to what I talked about with David Frazier in episode 15 about PR for SEO. Their PR efforts focus on getting you meaningful exposure and links back to your site, but you're also getting those page one placements as well. If you're in a really competitive industry, struggling with your SEO strategy, or just looking for more opportunities to capture market share, this episode has outlined a really good approach you can take to this. 
If you'd like to learn more, just reach out to Chris on LinkedIn or go to visibly.com. It's V-I-S-A-B-L-Y. Keep your marketing questions coming into will at customerswhoclick.com. I get back to people as quickly as I can. In the next episode, I've got Josh Boone from Pure Web Results with me talking about this idea of 4D marketing. But until then, keep those customers clicking.